Welcome to Our Creator Calls, where we seek truth together. A couple of months ago, I spent six hours on a Twitter space listening to heart-wrenching stories about child trafficking. The space was hosted by VetsForChildRescue.org, and one of the people who shared was Kim Kelly, a survivor of child trafficking who was born and raised in an international religious cult. She escaped at 20, rebuilt her life in the U.S., and is now a successful serial entrepreneur who owns multiple businesses. Kim is a fierce advocate for child safety and personal freedom, and she's passionate about the work she does with Vets for Child Rescue. It's a nonprofit dedicated to exposing and eradicating child trafficking and exploitation in the U.S. Kim utilizes her firsthand knowledge to educate the public about abuse, grooming, brainwashing, and strategies to safeguard children. She also assists with V4CR's undercover counter-trafficking and exploitation operations in the U.S. Her goal is to empower individuals to take action, to protect children, and create predator-free communities. I heard Kim Kelly's story shortly before launching this podcast, and I asked her right away if she would join me as a guest. Kim stands as proof that anyone can be part of the solution, shining a light on darkness and igniting change. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. Hi, Kim. I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's been about two months, I guess, since I went on that first Twitter space and heard you share your story and heard so many other stories and have been wanting to talk with you ever since. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'm happy to be here and I'm really excited to have this opportunity. I know there's a lot to talk about, so let's do it. Yeah, we don't have six hours, but we do have some time to get into some things. And I guess just to start, could you share your story about why you are involved in this and such a passionate advocate regarding child trafficking? Yeah, I can summarize my story because I'll try to keep that short, but it's a very long story. So I'm going to obviously just hit on a few highlights. Um, I was born and raised in an international religious cult. A lot of people think cult and they think, oh yeah, Jonestown and kind of haha funny. What a lot of people don't realize though, is that there are people who join cults and that's their choice, if you will. There are also various manipulation tactics to get people to join cults. But that being said, a lot of people don't consider children born into cults and what that might be like. Not that anyone has to relate, but the understanding or lack thereof of the control, the manipulation, the brainwashing, and what that's like, not only to experience, but to come out of. So very long story short there. I was born and raised in third world countries. My family's from the United States. My sisters and I were all born all over the world. I was born in Brazil. I was raised mostly in Brazil and Mexico. So again, very long story short, I escaped when I was 20 years old. Now, fast forward about 10 years, I was living in Texas. I was 30 years old at that time. I had redesigned my life. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I ran multiple businesses. I was doing a lot of things and really good things in the world. And a peer of mine made me aware, this was in 2020, about child trafficking in the USA. And it was just difficult for me to believe the gravity and how bad it was in the USA, because even knowing what I know and having overcome what I had escaped, it's one thing to understand what you escaped and overcame. It's a very different thing to realize that it's happening today on a massive scale in our country. So of course it was difficult for me to accept but as I went down the whole research rabbit hole, I was really trying to figure out, okay, who's doing something about this? Who's taking care of this issue? Of course, it was horrifying, long story short, to see that our politicians aren't talking about it, the media isn't talking about it, it's being censored, it's being suppressed, and there's an entire intentional effort to make people think it's a conspiracy theory. Long story short, I was also researching the various nonprofits involved and an even longer story short is that I just know too much and I am very skeptical of nonprofits, but especially as it relates to this specific industry, a lot of the people that are supposed to be part of the solution are unfortunately a part of the evil. 
that's an overgeneralized statement, but what I narrowed it down to was two organizations, one of which was Veterans for Child Rescue. And I loved, I loved the concept of the trained veterans, the good guys who are trained to get bad guys who are now using their skills to protect children. Honestly, that made me cry. And I had no idea that existed before. I had no idea people cared. I had no idea that this was an effort that people were actually trying to make a difference in. So I did more research. I started donating to them different, some of my different companies did awareness campaigns and donated the proceeds to them, et cetera. And then about a year later, I started actually working with them. So it's an incredible team and I really can't stress that enough. We're a very tiny organization. We're a tiny nonprofit and we make as much noise as we can. Our mission is to expose and eradicate child trafficking exposure because most people are not aware. So I like to say that awareness is step one. Awareness is just acknowledging, wow, this is happening. This is bad. This is not okay. Step two is taking action, but most people are not even willing to be aware. Awareness also reduces the predator's ability to operate. Now I'd love to unpack that further, but it's a powerful thing and it means more than most people realize and very few people are willing to even talk about it. Then the eradication aspect that I also loved is that we put bad guys behind bars. My shirt says vets for child rescue hunt predators. We have a 100% conviction rate in the USA. And wow. by the way, very few people are operating in the USA. And by the way, the USA is the largest source and destination for human trafficking. So yes, tens of thousands of children and I were trafficked all over the world. Yes, I've seen the worst of this all over the world, not only in my childhood, but now with what I do. But what people need to understand is that it's happening in their communities. So I'm able to use my knowledge and experience and also my gift, if you will, of oversimplifying things and communicating the message to people in a digestible way and hopefully a relatable way to bring it close to home, to give them an example of, yes, this is real, here's a real survivor. Yes, unfortunately for us, this was not a theory. And yes, there's something even you can do about this. So thank you again for having me. Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about just with all of what you've just said. And it is really hard to simplify because it's such a huge, complicated issue. I would like to just talk a little bit about when you mentioned about the nonprofits. Now, this mm -hmm. is a nonprofit that you're in. You decided that, that these guys were for real. Why is it, why do you say that some of the people that you say are supposed to be part of the solution actually aren't a part of the solution? Well, I'm going to keep it rather general, not only out of respect for, I, let me put it this way. I want it to be true that everyone who says they're a good guy is a good guy. Unfortunately, I know too much. Now, let me take a broader perspective of this and explain the blueprint of every cult and every con artist. Just one aspect of it, because I could write a book. Every group like that has a front. They have a public facing appeal. Think of it like a corporate brochure. We're good people doing good things. And on the inside, there's a lot more going on. So Fun fact, the international religious cult I was born and raised in, a lot of people hear cult and they think something like Satanism. This was a Christian cult. This abuse was done in the name of Jesus. We were operating as Christian missionaries in these third world countries. So the comparison I'm drawing here is that I'm way too familiar with how these things operate. Knowing what I know, I also try to keep an open mind, of course, but I am very keen on researching and digging much deeper than the surface. I also have a background in marketing in the last 12, 13 years. My professional background has been in online marketing, advertising, and branding. So again, I can see past a lot of those fronts. It's my spidey senses, if you will. <laughs> so in researching these various nonprofits, I'm just going to give people some things that they can research on their own, because I love people to think for themselves. When you look at a nonprofit, I want you to look at a few things. If they have their donors listed, I want you to look at who those donors are. And if you're familiar with those corporations and their history or their track record, you should ask more questions. I want you to look at something else. I want you to look at the results. 
I want you to ask for receipts. So if a nonprofit is, for example, generating tens of millions of dollars a year to do something specific like combat child trafficking, I want to see what the results are, wouldn't you? I want to make sure that there are measurable results in addition to things like raising awareness, which we also do. I also want to know if this is a US-based nonprofit, are they focusing on the US or are they completely ignoring it? Now, once again, I was born and raised overseas and I'm very aware of the massive need that there is overseas, but I'm also very aware that it's much easier, you could say, to do this overseas. There's a lot less red tape. There's a lot less bureaucracy and politics and a lot of things that can slow us down. So we understand that all too well. But I want you to ask questions. And if you don't get answers, I want you to keep asking questions or at least find someone else who will answer the questions. So when I was researching nonprofits, I own a sports apparel company and we wanted to do an awareness campaign where we featured them on a jersey, donated the proceeds to them, et cetera. So I wrote a couple nonprofits. And in some cases I didn't hear back. In other cases, you could tell they weren't really wanting to be featured or answering my questions, which of course I had many of them because of knowing what I know. So I'm gonna leave it pretty general, but I do want people to get better at asking questions and getting answers to them, especially if you're putting your money out, I would think you would want it to go to a worthy cause. But in addition, as a child trafficking survivor, there are many people who say that they care. They say, save the children. They say, God bless you. But I, I only count the actual proof. I like to see people not just put their money where their mouth is, although that's nice, but I've seen too many people use us as a pathetic puppy in order to raise donations and then not turn around and help us. I'm going to give you some examples. I have too many friends and peers who are child trafficking survivors and or survivors of horrific abuse. There are many nonprofits in the USA who claim to help survivors. I have personally looked for help, vetted them, asked them, not for myself, but for my peers, my siblings, etc. And it's unfortunately not true. I'm not saying every single individual. I'm saying show me. I'm saying, please do your research. Please look further than their website. Please get involved. I like to get my hands dirty in order to really know what I'm doing. And it's really unfortunate that there isn't a lot of help for survivors. So in addition to overcoming what most people can't even fathom, when you're out in the world, let's put it this way, I'm 20 years old, I escaped this cult, I'm in Mexico at the time, that I moved to the USA when I'm 21 years old. For survivors as a whole, where's the therapy? Where's mm -hmm. the government programs for education, for housing, for medical support, for childcare? We're talking about the basic human needs now, I could go on. So all those things should lead to more questions, I hope, that people will try to get the answers for, as I had, I had many people have tried to do. What I'm drawing your attention to here is that a lot of people say they're helping and don't. So I appreciate anyone who wants to help. I would encourage you to do extensive research before you support people who may or may not be part of the solution. It's such a huge thing because most people, let's face it, from my experience, don't ask a lot of questions and are very trusting and take whatever somebody says at face value, whether it's on a website or a marketing campaign or whatever. Building that awareness, what you said earlier really struck me when you said they don't even want to be aware. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting comment that I think not only applies to this, but to many things, but why is that just because people are busy? They want to just say, oh, I'll get my money and then I'm going to feel good that I've done something. So let me just create a separate category for the people who don't have time or resources, but are able to contribute financially. I respect that, right? I'm not asking one to be, I'm not asking everyone to be out here on the front lines risking their life. But if you can't, at least help those of us who are. So 
I'm not ask, I'm everyone can help in their own way. What I'm particularly highlighting are the people who either say they care, but can't be bothered to take action in any form. And the people who simply don't want to acknowledge this reality because thinking about the trauma that a child is experiencing on a daily basis is simply too difficult for them to fathom. I slow down and emphasize those words because I want people to repeat that back to themselves. What you're trying to comprehend and what's too difficult for your brain as an adult to just think about. Way too many children are experiencing on a daily basis. So again, I'm hoping that this message will be one that unites people. I'm not here to call people out or make them feel lesser than. But again, as a petite female, I do have the unique positioning, not only because of what I've experienced, but because my choices today, I'm out here talking about it. I'm out here on the front lines. I'm out here, some would say even re-traumatizing myself in the sense of facing this evil on a daily basis head on, because if not us, then who? The sad and very unfortunate reality for specifically the children is that too many people are unwilling to face this. I've had grown ass men look me in the face and say, I don't know what I would do if I saw a child being trafficked, I'd be scared. Now, sometimes it takes a petite female to make them realize how unacceptable that is. And I say this with a smile, because once again, I'm not here to judge people and I'm not here, I'm not asking you to understand what we've been through. I'm not asking you to research all the horrific things. I'm not asking you to face the gruesomeness of what we won't even tell you. But I'm asking you to do something. I'm asking you not to do nothing. I'm asking people to at least take it upon themselves to do some research, see what's happening in their community and start there. I'm not asking you to go to the southern border and go in these places that no one should go where I've been. I'm asking you to have a conversation with your children about internet safety and predators. I'm asking you to empower your child with the knowledge that can keep them safe. I'm asking you to not pretend that this doesn't exist because I promise you ignoring the problem does not make it go away. And it's definitely not helping children. Well, as I mentioned, when we first connected on that Twitter space, I grew up in a, a small town in Eastern Ontario where a big child sex abuse scandal broke out that was actually intergenerational. You know, when it was all said and done, it was national news. All of this goes back to the early 90s. And, you know, there were 250 victims. About 50 of them were predators, but they were also victims. So this is really, and it does happen. I, I interviewed somebody just last week. I, so I believe this is something that really needs to be talked about. I interviewed somebody just last week about the uh, sex trafficking that was going on here in Canada, but she focuses more on, her ministry focuses mainly on the young teenagers and women. What you're doing is more about the children. Is that correct? Yes, our focus is on child trafficking, specifically child sex trafficking. So just a real quick explanation for those who don't understand, trafficking is a pretty all-inclusive form. There are very there are various forms of trafficking. Now, no form of trafficking is exception is acceptable, right? All of it is a form of exploitation. But things like labor trafficking, domestic servitude, there's a lot of different categories of this. None of that's okay. But I hope people realize where I'm coming from when I say that none of that's okay to any human at any level, but when you take a child who can't advocate for themselves, who can't physically or mentally resist an adult or the predation, who can't outsmart or overpower, it's on a very different level. And again, I say that with passion because of understanding not only what I, but tens of thousands of other children in that cult went through, lived through and overcame. And I also say that as someone who has the contrast of, you could say much worse than what I even experienced, but what I've seen since. So again, I'm not asking people to try to realize what that's like or 
you know, go, go research and be disgusted and horrified at all these gruesome things. In my opinion, that's not necessary, but it's on a very different level, a predator who would harm a child. Now the definition of child trafficking is the sale and exploitation of children. So I also want people to realize something else. I think of pretty much everything on a spectrum of intensity. Now there are all different forms of child abuse. There are all different forms of child sexual abuse. So if you think of it on a spectrum of intensity, whatever the lesser form is to all the way up to things you can't imagine, that's wrong. Child trafficking is a different category. Now, 100% of child trafficking is child abuse. Not all child abuse is child trafficking. We're talking about the sale and exploitation, someone profiting off the exploitation of children. And I'm using very soft words to make this digestible, as you can understand. So there are also various ways that child sex trafficking happens. There's not a one size fits all way that this works. Therefore, there's not a one size fits all solution. It's a very complicated issue. So I can give a brief overview of what I mean by that. But specifically in the USA, which is where we're focused, but we do operations overseas and we also have partner organizations that specifically focus overseas. There are children brought to America for the purpose of sexual exploitation. There are American children taken from America overseas for the purpose of sexual exploitation. There are children in America being sexually exploited. Now, as far as the numbers, a lot of people want to know the statistics. I use some statistics because I understand that people want this to be quantified, but I want some, I want people to keep this in mind. Statistics are based on what's reported. Most of this is not reported. So in my opinion, the statistics are barely scratching the tip of the iceberg. And I say that as a child who, along with tens of thousands of other children were not rescued. We were never part of any statistics. So to give people some ballpark numbers, these statistics were con confirmed about three years ago. Child trafficking, child sex trafficking, now that I've quantified it, in the USA, generates more annual revenue than all professional sports combined. Think of every type of professional sport, the merchandise, the events, the games, the advertisements. Child trafficking generates at least $50 billion every year, but you don't see it. And people have the nerve to say it's a theory. We see sports in every bar and on the, all the advertisements, we see it so we believe it. Even if you're not a sports fan, you're aware of its existence. Child trafficking is the fastest growing criminal enterprise on the planet. It is growing at a faster rate than drugs and arms. It's the second largest. So we're not talking about a top 10 issue. I understand there are many things that are not okay with the world right now, but this is not a top 10 or even a top five. This is the second largest, the sale and exploitation of children. So I do wanna talk more about what we do and how we do it. As you know, I can talk for way too many hours about this entire topic, because there is so much to unpack, but it's important, I think, to quantify and define what we're talking about for the sake of people's understanding. But I want this message to hit home for people in a way that the media won't. A lot of people think this is a far, far away problem or that, no, it can't be true, it's just too horrific, our government would be doing something to handle this. And I'm here to tell them the truth. I remember years ago, when I used to work in the legacy media, I did a documentary about this because of what happened in my hometown, and I interviewed a woman who was involved in a, this is going back to the early 90s, right? So we're talking 30 <laughs> years ago, right? And she was, um, involved in an underground railroad for children who were being sex trafficked back then. And she said the people that were involved were the powerful people, like the judges and the lawyers and the doctors, the people with a lot of money. And like you said, this is such a, a huge issue making so much money. And people don't believe it largely because it's not in the media. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't in the media when I was, uh, I, I, I put it on media, but I was in a small radio station and I couldn't find anyone else that wanted to play it, even within the network that I worked for. That says something. There's so much in the media that is not reported, and there's reasons for that. We could talk about that. That could be a whole other interview right yeah. there, right? But aside from the fact that this, these are children, these are actual children, these are somebody's children, and a lot of them, aside from that, and and, and I mean... Not a lot of people want to talk about it because it's difficult. But why should people care, aside from the fact that these are children? Is there, are there ramifications that go beyond that that would affect people themselves, even if they don't realize it right now? Oof, 1,000%. This is also like a 10-point list I could unpack slowly. <laughs> yeah. So let's put it this way. I don't have kids of my own. I've never really been a kid person. I'm not a, out here fighting for myself or for my kids. So even if you aren't compelled by children being tortured and abused on a daily basis and people profiting from their exploitation, and again, I'm keeping my words soft, I want you to consider the fact that these, we'll call them bad guys. I want you to consider the fact that these bad guys are making it is the second most profitable criminal enterprise in the world, are making who knows how many billions of dollars off the sale and exploitation of children, and that for some reason, my sarcastic sense of humor is coming in here, for some reason, we are unable to hold them accountable. For some reason, they are above the law. For some reason, these people maintain their control. For some reason, this massive criminal enterprise is kept secret. It's funded, it's protected, it's suppressed. For some reason, the media isn't talking about it. For some reason, the politicians are silent about it. For some reason, not even one politician has come out to lead the charge against it for some reason. I'm out here on the front lines, but they can't even make a sound with their mouth and talk about it. For some reason, the few who have mentioned it have failed to actually implement actionable, helpful steps. For some reason, they failed to talk about it on the presidential debate stage. Now, let me ask you a series of rhetorical questions. If you think of politicians like salespeople, would you not, meaning they can talk and not necessarily follow through as we know, would you not add the topic of saving children to your sales pitch? Don't you think that's somewhat compelling even for people like me who are not that, let's say motherly? Now, if not, you should ask why. I have another rhetorical question. As you can tell, I've thought this through way too much. Here's the rhetorical question. So the USA is the largest source and destination for human trafficking. It generates at child trafficking generates at least $50 billion per year in the USA. These are based on statistics. Now, why does the USA not have a dedicated task force focused on combating human trafficking? We have task force and agencies for a hundred different things, some of which are helpful. I know you're not in the USA, but shouldn't that cause people to question things? What are we not talking about? Why are we hiding this? What else is being hidden? Now, I can talk about this from more of a supernatural and spiritual perspective, if you'd like, because there are very dark reasons for the intentional suppression of this entire topic. Yes, I definitely would like to go there because some people, I would imagine... There are people wondering, why is our world the way it is? Why is the United States the way it is? Why is Canada the way it is? I'm not saying that this is the only reason, but I do right. believe that this is a key reason because every time you, I mean, you're right. I know that you are really couching your words. I know that you are being <laughs> soft. And, you know, I think about these things a lot and it's hard. It's hard to think about and you're right, you haven't even really gone into any detail because it is really, really a dark thing. And what's happening to these children every time a child is abused, is trafficked, and this abuse is, um, yeah, it's hard because 
it's hard to really explain without um, being a pornographic movie. You know what I mean? Without, without, that's the kind of language we're talking about. And yet when that happens, that does fuel iniquity of darkness. It gives darkness uh, the power to actually do a lot of the things that are happening in our society. I truly believe that based from my own experience, that that is what's going on. I believe that the child sex trafficking is a key reason for a lot of the things that we're seeing, the demise of our society right now. Absolutely. Now I'll get into the spiritual aspect of it, but I also wanna continue with the why should people care conversation just briefly because there's so much here. So let me ask a series of, you know, some other rhetorical questions. Are people okay with the government hiding this information? So let's let's say it a different way, because people like to argue about the numbers. And once again, I'm aware that no one knows the real numbers. So I've heard lots of different numbers. Let's stick to something very minimal. The FBI reported 400,000 missing children last year. The media is not even talking about it. Now, when I say a three-letter agency reported something, let's just make sure we're clear that we're barely scratching the tip of the reality iceberg, but I digress. If it was 10,000 children, would that be okay? If 10,000 children were in a building 100 miles away from you being tortured, should we not drop everything we're doing and go fix that situation? Should the media not be talking about it? If there were 1,000 children in a building, like at what point do the numbers matter? Because people like to argue over the hundreds of thousands or the millions. And I'm asking them, I'm not saying it doesn't make a difference, but I'm saying, does that really, is that really what's stopping you from getting involved? Because I'm going to call your bluff. It's worse than people think. And it's not reported. So stop trying. I'm not saying, you know, do your research. I'm saying like, look, if you need a big number to compel you, they're out there. I'm just saying, if it's a thousand children or 10,000 children or 10 million children, that's not okay. Are we okay with our government tax dollars? Are we okay with our tax dollars being used to facilitate the sale and sexual abuse of children? Are we okay with our politicians doing that instead of what they should be doing? Are we okay with the secrecy? Are we okay with being lied to? Are we that stupid? Now I could ask more questions, but I'm gonna move on to the spiritual aspect because I promise you this affects more people than you realize. And I'm saying that even someone like me, even if I wasn't a survivor, it still affects all of us. It affects our society. Even with what you just said, it's really hard for people to understand. It's it's hard for them to believe that what you're saying yes. is true. This. This is overwhelming, I would think. If you haven't critically thought about this, it's overwhelming to actually believe that this is really going on, that what you're saying is actually true, that that what you're saying about it not being reported, that this many people, this many children are actually having this happen to them in their own communities all over the place. It's easier for people, I think, to just say this can't be true and, and no, I'm not going to look because it's too overwhelming 1,000%. to even think about this, right? Yeah, 1,000%. That's why they can come say that to my face and I promise you I'll make you cry, but then you're also going to believe that you've been lied to and it's time to take action. So I'll spare you that, but <laughs> I would like people to do their own research, but I also want to refer people to a documentary that Veterans for Child Rescue produced a few years ago. It's called Contraland. I don't know if you've had the chance to watch it, but I've this watched is both... it twice. I've watched it twice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You're amazing. Most people don't. And I just want to say it's, I don't know if you'll agree with me. It's intentionally not very graphic. It's definitely a gut punch, but it's not something that's going to be, it's appropriate for older children, not younger, not little ones, but it's not something that's meant to make, you know, make you vomit. It's just an exposure piece on what it is, who's behind it why it's a thing in our culture, what started this, where did this come from, and what we're doing as a nonprofit to expose it and eradicate it. It shows a glimpse of our sting operations, putting bad guys behind bars, and how we work with law enforcement and all of that. So it's just a glimpse, but it's a really eye-opening piece, and not one word of that documentary has ever been refuted. So before people start saying, ah, this can't be true, do your research, see if you can prove me wrong. But in the meantime, 
start protecting your children. So this is another thing I want people to realize. And then I want to get into the spiritual aspect of this. Another reason that I aim to bring this message home to people, I want to bring it as close to home as possible because statistically this is happening to kids, you know, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we will put a link to uh, Contra land. I'll put that in the show notes and it is happening to people that you know and you don't know what's happening to them and a lot of those missing kids that we hear about before we get to the spiritual aspect of it do you think that the you know a few years ago when we heard about the jeffrey epstein and all of that and that did make news did that help your cause or did that thwart ironically it made news about 10 years after it made news right and yeah i'm i don't mean to laugh it's just that any type of exposure helps the cause. That's why I'm even hesitant to talk down about nonprofits that may or may not be part of the solution because any exposure helps the cause. Awareness reduces the predator's ability to operate. It makes it harder for bad guys to do bad things. So I'm with it. That being said, people like to get hung up there. Now let's just, let's just clarify. That's not okay that that happened, that there are that many celebrities and politicians and public figures involved, that we don't know who the clients were, that we don't have media attention or much information about what's happening next. Like, let's just highlight the fact that none of that is okay and that people have somehow moved on. But I'm also going to pause it right there and highlight the fact that that is one of many situations. People like to think, oh, yes, child trafficking, that. Yes, that is one of many situations. So I would say it helped the cause in the ter- in the sense of raising awareness and giving people proof, because even that as provable as it is, and as much as they try to suppress it, and as much as they are still above the law, meaning <laughs> nothing happened, it helped the cause and people need to know that that's still barely scratching the tip of the iceberg. Right. Let's go to the spiritual aspect. I mentioned about the fact that this is a fueling iniquity. How would you say that the child trafficking does that? I'm going to zoom out and oversimplify. So I hope everyone can follow me. And just real quick, if anyone is triggered by religion, I want to reinstate the fact that I was born and raised in a religious Christian cult. So religious trauma would be an understatement. So I'm not coming at you to preach God. And if you're triggered by the word God, I want you to replace that with another word that doesn't trigger you. I'm saying this by coming from the understanding of where you might be coming from, but I'm also not talking about religion. I'm talking about the supernatural at the basic most form. I'm going to oversimplify this so that no expert will disagree. There is positive and negative energy. We can say darkness and light. This type of darkness or evil is the darkest form of darkness you can't imagine. Now, a lot of people these days are very afraid of the dark. A lot of adults are walking around saying, oh, no, scary dark. I don't want to know anything about it. But what is the antidote to darkness? If you light a match in the darkest room, that darkness cannot overpower that light. Darkness, in fact, has no power. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Now, I'm being metaphorical here to paint a bigger picture of what we're dealing with here on a supernatural and energetic level. This is a battle, if you will, of good and evil. You do have to be what I would consider evil to not only abuse a child, but profit off their exploitation and make an industry out of it. Now, the people that are not only responsible for it, but are hiding it and are behind the infrastructure of this It's a form of evil that most people can't imagine, but I want to expose something hilarious about evil. Evil is pathetic. I say that as someone who has faced it and continues to face it on a daily basis, I promise you, and I say this with a smile, evil is pathetic and evil is afraid of us. It's not the other way around. Darkness cannot overpower light. I want everybody to clasp your hands together You can create an environment for darkness to thrive. But if you let any light in, darkness has no power. 
We are not meant to be afraid of the dark. We are not meant to say, oh no, that's too scary. I can't even think about what a child is experiencing because, oh no, I just can't handle it. The problem is that people are okay with the lights being out. They're okay with allowing their light to be dimmed. They're okay with, and this is intentional, the distractions, the divisions, the demoralization, that's all intentional. That's an entirely different topic. But I want people to realize that evil is a coward. Evil is so pathetic that it refuses to pick on someone its own size. And I want you to realize evil's goal. Evil or darkness or negative energy requires a negative low vibrational state on a, on a vibrational scale. I hope people are following me here. Evil requires a low vibrational state or vibration in order to exist. It cannot exist in a high vibrational, high energy state. Therefore, evil's goal, both on a metaphorical energetic level and on a very practical level, evil's goal therefore is to lower the vibration of the entire planet or the consciousness. The easiest, the most effective way to do that and the most cowardly is to target children. Children are the most high vibrational, innocent, precious beings of light spiritually, vibrationally, energetically. The most cowardly and easy thing to do is for an adult to outsmart and overpower a child. You'll get no applause from me. So to further unpack how pathetic evil is, its target is children. It wants to lower the vibration, not only of the children and of future generations, but of the entire planet. What we need to do is turn up the lights. Now, I'm going to speak to the Christians, and this is coming from a deep, passionate place of calling them out. If you truly believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, then stop being afraid of the dark. Start acting like it. If God be for us, who can be against us? I'm going to say that for the people that don't like that. If the power within you is greater than the power in the world, if the light within you is greater than the darkness in the world, turn up the lights. It's not about being afraid of the darkness. It's not even about researching how dark the darkness is. It's about turning up the lights. I promise you. That's how it works, both spiritually, supernaturally, and physically. I say this as a petite female who's not tactically trained. I say this as a child trafficking survivor who faces this evil on a daily basis with a smile. I laugh and this smile is authentic because I know how weak it is and I know that it's afraid of us. I would definitely say amen to that. So I want to ask you, people might wonder, how did you continue to be a Christian, continue to have faith in this God that you're talking about right now when you went through so much? How did that happen? How did you find this, this place where you are right now where you're walking in a place where you're not afraid of, of evil and you are standing with, with what is good and light? It's definitely hard to summarize because I would have to unpack a whole topic about healing and that's a very long discussion. I'm going to oversimplify this, but of course, there's so much to say here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to summarize it by saying, I believe that healing is a choice. I believe you're the only one that can decide to heal and the extent to which you allow yourself to heal. That means it's your responsibility. That means it's no one else's. That means you can't count on the people who broke you to fix you. That means you don't need their permission, but that also means it's your choice to smile instead of let them ruin your day, haunt your dreams, affect your mood, or trigger your daily walk. Now, again, that's a whole topic I'd love to unpack further for the sake of time. When it comes to, I want, I want to separate, and again, this is just too simple for what I really wanna say. I want people to really understand the difference in religion and spirituality. With respect to everybody's beliefs, this is how I oversimplify it. Spirituality is your spiritual connection. Let me say that a different way. Spirituality is your connection to a higher power. Now, if you call it God or Jesus, or if you sit on a mountain singing Kumbaya, whatever makes you feel peace and love, that is source. That is the universe power. That is light. That is your right. That is who we are ordained to be connected with. 
It doesn't really matter what you call it. It matters that you're connected. Now, religion is when a group or when a person or a group of people decide to essentially tell people what to think and how to live their lives. That's not always harmful. Of course, someone like me who overcame what I overcame, I don't tend to, that doesn't really appeal to me to say that the least, but I've also chosen not to essentially throw out the baby with the bathwater. Now I can speak to Christians, I can speak to atheists, I can speak to teenagers having a crisis about religious trauma. And I promise you my message can relate to all of them. I may use different words, but I promise you, if we stop arguing about who's saying it better and we start focusing on what that power really is, because when you nail it down, what is God? What is love? What is this or that? It's energy. Now there's positive energy and there's negative energy. No expert will disagree with me on that. So I'm trying to give a short answer to your, to a very big question, right? Mm. But do you not, I, do you not believe that, that, that Jesus is an actual person though? An actual person who's there? as well as being a spirit? Do I believe Jesus is an actual person? So this is what I want people to realize. Um, okay, to, to directly answer your question, I don't pray to Jesus. That's not a name I say often. Now, what I want people to realize is that what may be very healing and empowering and helpful for someone may be the trigger for someone else. Now, once again, I've chosen to heal, and I'm not saying that's an easy um finish line process. But what I'm saying is that what represents peace and love and power to someone may represent, let me put it this way, for the sake of being direct, all the abuse I experienced as a child was done in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Every single person who abused me was a Christian. Now, I have once again made the decision to heal, made the decision for that not to control me, but I'm also mature enough to understand that that wasn't Jesus or God abusing me. Those were humans abusing their power and using religion to control people. So again, I unpack things in a pretty granular way because if people sort of, even though I tend to oversimplify things, if people kind of overgeneralize things and they say, I don't believe in God, I say, what is God? What do you mean by that? When we really get down to the core, are you not, you don't believe in a higher power? Try telling a Satanist God doesn't exist. That's it a gets, very good point. Yeah. Although, although depends on the Satanists. If they're a black Satanist, they definitely know that there's a, a God that has a higher power than them. I, I remember one of the first books I read when I became a Christian was uh, from a black Satanist and who was also a witch. I mean, it was very, you know, she was involved in a lot of darkness. And it's when she realized that there was a power that was stronger than the power that she was worshiping, that's when she became a Christian. But I, I, yeah. get what, I get what you're saying, though, and I think that's really a tactic from darkness to, you know, because we see it in so many places. I mean, the Inquisition, I mean, residential schools, I mean, so many examples all through history where religion in the name of Jesus has been used to abuse people and absolutely to, to all throughout history to people. Right. It's been going on. And I think that's a tactic to make people think that this is what it, you know, what it's all about. So it's, it's a really, I think that is something that will continue and we have to be aware of that too. Oh my goodness. It's, it's just, it does seem overwhelming for people though, to, to say, how do I, cause what you've just said, let me just backtrack a little bit. What you just said about, um, about religion versus spirituality. That's a huge thing right there. We could talk about that for hours. So how do we get to the place where people can just say, this is evil, this is good, because how do you know what's evil if you actually have a standard for what is good? I guess that's my question. Well, let me put it this way. If you're disconnected from yourself and from the higher power, your compass may be off. So I think it depends on where the person's at in terms of what I would recommend. Now, I'm obviously not a therapist, etc. But what I'm getting at is, you know, someone asked a good friend of mine, who's a very intelligent person asked me a few years ago, well, um, you know, if you're not a Christian, then how, how, how are you a good person? Something like that. And I, it made me laugh because it, I had never considered that that would be someone's criteria, right? 
So, and ironically, all the worst people I know in my life call themselves Christians. Now I'm also saying, I obviously know a lot of good Christians, but I'm just saying to this day, if someone says they're a Christian, that's not really a point, a plus one <laughs> in terms of a point system. It's sort of still a baseline, like, okay, well, I still observe people's actions. Like we were saying about the nonprofit, you can call yourself whatever you want. My spidey senses make sure I look further. So, you know, I can quote and sing the Bible to you in three languages. <laughs> Some people will also say things like, well, you can't heal without Jesus Christ. And if you don't read the Bible and you just need to read the Bible. And I've got to laugh because bless your heart, but you probably don't necessarily know what you're talking about if you have that kind of dogmatic stance. And it's probably not helpful for a lot of people. And in fact, you could even be alienated people who would otherwise receive your message. So I appreciate the fact that a lot of people are more open-minded these days, not that we're trying to accept everything, I'm not saying that, but there's a lot to be said about connecting with yourself and your intuition. Because whether or not you believe we were designed in the image of God, God gave us, the universe gave us everything we need. It's about tapping into that. It's about actually being connected to that. That's not a title. That's not a building you can visit and call it a day. That's a personal journey. That's a decision. That's a daily practice. And when you are connected, you learn to trust your intuition. Not that you're just guessing all the time, but you learn to feel what's right and wrong. Now, I think very few people that are abusing children don't know it's wrong. You've got to be very disconnected. But we could also apply that same logic to bad people doing a lot of other bad things in the world, right? People do it anyway. Now, the beautiful thing about the ability that we have to choose is that I believe we were all made perfect. So if you believe, for example, we were all made in the image of God, God created us perfect. And he also gave us the ability to choose. People can choose darkness or choose light. So back to the energetic metaphor, which is very true. Lightness and darkness or positive and negative energy or good and evil are at opposite ends of the vibrational spectrum. Both things cannot exist in the same place at the same time. If you feel, we're going to oversimplify it. If you're focused on negative, you cannot simultaneously be focused on positive. It's one or the other. So if you think of it like a linear vibrational scale, to focus on negative, you would have to do a 180 in order to focus on positive or dark to light. Those two things are not vibrational matches for each other. So again, I'm using a lot of words that hopefully appeal to a broader audience, not only because I'm not trying to be trendy, it's just that a lot of times the message is very dogmatic and it tends to lose people, even like me, who's, you know, if someone says you have to believe in God and you have to believe in Jesus and you have to go to church, man, I could quote you some verses in the Bible about what Jesus did when he went to church, but that's a different topic. The point is that it's about our supernatural connection. It's about our spiritual connection. It's about being connected. A lot of people talk the talk, but don't actually have that connection. Now, let me ask you a broader question, because again, of course, this hits home. And it's also something that I, that I can say. In this topic of children being abused and tortured and of darkness, overpowering the situation at this moment. Where is the church in this discussion? Yeah. Where are the pastors who are speaking up about it? Now, I was just talking about politicians, but I'm going to bring it to a whole new level. Where are the churches who are outspoken against the abuse of children? Where are the churches that have a zero tolerance policy for predators? Did you know that we've asked some churches to have a watch party showing our documentary Contraland, or at least share it to their Facebook page? And did you know that many churches will not? And did you know that when I ask questions, because of course I will, and when I keep asking questions, because of course they won't answer, did you know that in some cases, the preacher is knowingly protecting members of their congregation who may be offended by that message? Now, once again, I am not generalizing all people who go to church. I hope that's clear. But I am calling out the fact that 
I want receipts. Don't tell me you care. Show me you care. Don't tell me, oh, what you experienced is terrible, but you don't know my Jesus. Oh, that's not real Christians. Show me the real Christians. Yeah, we could talk about that. There's so many things that relate to what you just said. And I absolutely, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, I've been a Christian now. I, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I became a Christian when I was 34. And I've been walking with him now for 27 years. I call this podcast, Our Creator Calls, and really calling to relationship. And, you know, it's not for me to judge about anyone's relationship. It's not for me to judge anyone's faith. But I do think that there are people out there, probably more than we would even uh, care to know, uh, that call themselves Christians, but really perhaps aren't, or aren't walking the walk, as you say, right? And it's been, I, I, I get it. And there's, I could say whether it's about child sex trafficking or I've, I've had the same question that you just asked. I've asked for years about abortion, which is also innocent children and taking a human life or about all kinds of other topics. But those two topics, because we're talking about children, we're talking about ending human life and the most innocent human life, where is the church? I've asked that question for many for many years, it's a very, very difficult one. And honestly, I think that the that God, um, Jesus Christ, is actually waiting to see the response. And I also think that the state of our country, in Canada here, the state of the United States, the state of uh, many countries, what's happening is not because of those evil people and those evil deeds, it's because of the fact that the church is not standing up against it. Yeah. I really believe the lights that that are the dim. The, the lights, lights are dim. dim. So my We're hope supposed is, to yes, be turning the light up. We are. And my hope is that, and people are watching, right? Because mm. we're saying, Hey, why, why is the church not allowing doing something about this? Why is the church just standing around? I think there's because of fear, uh, yeah. because of apathy. And again, Let's quote all the verses that say, don't fear, that say God is greater. If you believe that, don't contradict yourself. I'm not saying you, obviously. I'm saying call out to all the people who walk the walk and talk the talk. Yes, absolutely. If God be for you, who can be against you? I want to see Christians speak about this boldly. My One of my many goals is to bring the topic of child trafficking to the presidential debate stage. I promise you they won't unless we make them. I'm going to jokingly and sarcastically say, unless we bully the politicians into talking about it, they won't. So let's make noise. And I also want to call out to the Christians. If you're a believer of God in any kind, I want you to read that book. I want you to apply that book. And I want you to realize that if you're not applying that book, there are some qualifications in order to live by that law, if you will. And if you believe that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, show up like it. Amen to that. I really hope that people hear this message. You know, there are Christians that listen to this. There are people that aren't Christians that, that listen to this show, hopefully. And But whatever, wherever you are in your journey, um, what you're saying, I think, has an impact and is true. We need to stand against darkness, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. And, you know, like my kids will tell you, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. Don't tell me you love me. If you don't act like you love me, I need to see the action. And I think that's the same when it comes to our faith. If you truly say you have faith then show it by your actions, Jesus himself said that if you love me, if you actually love me, then follow my commandments. And one of those commandments is to not allow something to happen to somebody else that you wouldn't want to happen to you, to love other people like yourself. And how, who more should that be true for than vulnerable, innocent children? It just breaks my heart to even know that this is going on. And I, I, let's pray that, um, that this will be a, an issue um, in the presidential election. However, I will say that I think perhaps the reason why people aren't talking about it, even at those areas, as you alluded to earlier, is because, unfortunately, I think a lot of the people, perhaps, 
in those power structures are involved in some level in what we're talking about. One thousand percent. Silence is compliance. What's that? Silence is compliance. If you're in that level of, if you're in that position of power and you're not speaking up for the children, it's unfortunate, but the sooner we face the reality that it's intentional, the sooner we can tailor our strategy to be effective. Because if this was something, oh, no one know, no one knew about it. Oh my God, let's all do something. Yeah. The more you know, the more obvious it is in the shortest way I can say it. This is an intentional problem. It is up to we, the people, to change this. Because if not us, then who? If not us, then who? Absolutely. And that relates to a lot of things, but I think this is a key issue. This is a key issue. There's many issues we could say that about, but this one, like I said earlier, is allowing the forces of darkness, evil, to be perpetuated, to grow, because every time you, like you said, whether you, you call it vibration and that innocence, when you actually um, allow that to happen, that can give power to the forces of darkness. Every time a child is abused, every time a child is trafficked or sacrificed, we don't know what's happening to all of those children that are being, um, that have gone missing. I know you know, because you've been involved in this, right? Yeah. Right. But again, on a supernatural level, darkness has no power. It is essentially stealing the power from the innocent children. If that's not okay with you, join us in taking action. I'm going to continue to pray for you guys and for what you're doing. And I will put the, um, the show notes. I will put Contraland in there. Uh, Thank just, you. And yeah. yeah, there's so much, I don't want to keep it, keep it going. There's so much more to talk about, but just for people to know, we have various counter trafficking operations going on on an ongoing basis. I've personally been on two in the last two months. We have this going on pretty much all the time in the USA. We have a massive investigations team. We're working on some really big cases. We are working to not only expose and bring proof, but knowing that the justice system won't take the appropriate action against itself, we are also working to expose those who won't. So in your thoughts and prayers, please keep that in mind if you're able to support us in any way possible. If you know of media outlets who have the moral courage to speak up about that, please refer us. If you know of politicians who have the moral courage to speak up about that, please refer us. There are so many ways you can be part of the solution. We have so many steps you can take right now on our website. So please watch our documentary. Please do your research. We are very transparent about everything, including our financials. You'll see how tiny our nonprofit is, and we're making as much noise as we possibly can, but we do need your help. Now, I'm out here holding a match in the darkness, and I promise you it's overpowering the darkness, but I also promise you that if we stand together united and ignite our fires, our flame can overpower this darkness. Darkness, just like energy, cannot be destroyed, but it can be overpowered. You can turn up the lights and eliminate the shadows in the room. You create a small space of darkness in a room that's fully lit, it doesn't affect it, I promise you. We can overpower this, but it will take all of us standing together with our flames burning. Yes, indeed. One light flickers in the darkness and it you can see it. A whole bunch of lights joined together creates a bonfire. We can light up this world. Yes, I pray that uh, that will uh, actually happen. Let me just pray for you before we go, if that's okay. I will pray to my creator, uh, and my creator, um, our creator, I believe it is Jesus. And um, I am so thankful for Kim and her team. And I just ask, Father, that you would protect her that you would protect Craig and the whole team and all of the things that they're doing because they are taking a risk. And yet I know that you are with them. And I pray that you will protect them, that you put a hedge of protection around them, that you will give them insights, that you'll give them doors of opportunity, that you'll give them connections perhaps that they don't even have right now. And I pray that more and more people, I pray people will hear this interview and other interviews that, that Kim and her team are doing to build awareness. One step at a time, one person at a time, I pray that you would help people to not be fearful and to stand up and to be a voice for those children that don't have a voice. And in so doing, to stop this evil 
to stop this evil in its tracks. Yes, Lord, I just thank you for, for what they are doing and help many people to, um, to do whatever they can, whatever that is. We just ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for having me. I've really enjoyed this discussion, and I definitely hope a lot of people benefit from it and want to learn more. I hope so. I hope so. Let's talk again. Maybe we can delve into some of these areas. A yeah, there's so much. <laughs> there is so much. I know, literally, we could talk for hours, right? Yeah. But, uh, I'm so thankful for you, and I uh, really appreciate you joining me today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Of course. Thank you again for having me. I look forward to next time. Okay. And another, let me know where the next Twitter space is. <laughs> yes, will do, will do. Thank you again. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness. When I accepted that Jesus is the truth that I had been seeking and the only way to eternal life, I was forever changed. In that moment, Jesus rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness and delivered me into his kingdom of glorious light. He truly set this captive free. So what about you? Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, just talk to him. He's waiting for you with open arms. Our Creator calls. Are you listening? There is one love. One truth, one way to know, when you turn to the sun, all darkness must go. A voice, a voice calling in your wilderness.